Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 14th, 2011. Remember, there's always newcomers coming in, so I suggest they look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and make use of it for as long as it's up there because there's hundreds of audios for download where I try and really show you the big picture of this incredible system that runs the world, this superstructure that's all above governments and completely intertwined with big money lenders, the big international boys, and governments, NGOs, foundations, various organizations which you all fund and you don't even know they exist. And to show you that uh, the plan that they're following, this austerity plan, and the controlled society, the planned society across the whole world, a united society under a global government, is all part of it too. It was no secret at all. H.G. Wells talked about it in the early 1900s. He called it the open conspiracy. It's out there if you want to find it. It's just that the media won't mention it to you. And uh, and how they bring in a kind of socialist-type system, but really run by the big fascists at, on the top. And uh, that's exactly where we're going today with uh, authoritarian governments, and that's from the Club of Rome as well. They're the think tank for the United Nations. He said that democracy um, is too cumbersome. We're now post-democratic. We're now authoritarian. And all you get now is laws coming down from the top backed by uh, threats or, or eventually even brute force when required to get it through our thick heads. This is the new system. We are the slaves, and you just obey. That's the only purpose you have, pay and obey as they redistribute the, the so-called wealth, your wealth, across the whole world, not to third-world countries, but to their own international corporations, which will rule over those third-world countries, already do, in fact. So help yourself. Remember, you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can help me by buying the books and discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase using a personal check or an international postal money order, from your post office. You can also use PayPal to order. Use the, the donation button you'll see on the com site and follow it with an email with name, address, and order. And I'll get it out to you. And some people just send cash from the States. And, and it's falling at one awful rate too right now. And uh, across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union and MoneyGram, and you also have PayPal again. And member street donations are certainly, certainly welcome as we all free fall uh, through the big abyss of inflation and hyperinflation, which will come too. And uh, it's amazing, isn't it, that uh, big bankers apparently give you credits, you know, and then you just print cash up and you could pay them back in real estate, basically, real goods. It's a great con. It's been on for a long time, hundreds of years, and uh, central banks are part of it because they're private banks. For any country to have a private bank running it is just just absolute stupidity, uh, or else high bribery, I think, really, in the beginnings at least. That's the way the system is run. 
But uh, these bankers, as I say, have funded the communist societies uh, and they've, they've, they've funded Hitler into being. That's well documented uh, with professors, even from some of the best uh, universities in the States, uh, doing the research and documentation on it. They have they prefer socialism, these bankers, because they use the governments then to be the money collectors for the debts from you. And it doesn't cost the banks anything. You, your own governments will send out the guys to collect it from you. It's far better than lending cash to individuals and then sending in your heavies. It costs money to, to hire heavies, you see. So the government has its own heavies and they steal everything you've got if you can't pay. That's what the world we call civilization that we're supposedly spreading across the world. It's all perception management, you see. That's what you've been born into. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. In Australia, that's spearheading, at least the first country to officially go ahead with this uh, great comic act, uh, about the carbon taxes, and uh, the Fabian Socialist is in right there right now, and that's Julia Gillard, and I'll put up a link tonight where you see uh, her doing a little PR stint through a store, and uh, one of the people in the store asks her why she's such a liar uh, about the carbon taxes, because of course she said if she got in, she wouldn't have carbon taxes, and have you ever wondered why liar is awfully close to lawyer? Yeah, have you ever ever wondered why? There's a reason for it, you know. And uh, and you, you see her huffing and puffing, and she doesn't disagree, of course, because she's caught red-handed. She's a she's a liar. So I'll put that up tonight, and you have a little chuckle at that for yourselves. But we shouldn't be chuckling at all when you know the agenda here, and of course the race to the bottom to see who gets there first in utter dire poverty in the countries that used to be first-world countries, because this is what part of it's all about, you see. And when this is going on too. Um, there's also another link to do with uh, the, who's going to benefit from all this carbon tax. Now, we know that the United Nations has gets to get a massive chunk of it, and that was really part of it because the UN is a front organization for the big bankers that comprise the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the guys at the very top, and the Council on Foreign Relations for the US, same group. And it's just a complete front to do, do the socialist takeover of an entire planet. As I say, no secret in it. Uh, lots of their members have written their memoirs and uh, outlined the whole plan, the socialized or organized system from birth to, to death, basically. You'll be monitored, used, and directed as to what you, to do, you should do next or work at and all the rest of it. It's a, experts will run your lives from birth to death. And that's part of it. And your only job really is to keep paying and paying and paying until eventually they've got a society or a generation there who don't need payments at all. Their duty, according to the Royal of International Affairs, will be to serve the world state. That's your duty, you see. Because all they want is your labor, you understand. And um, this, this article here says that the Bonanza beckons for bankers, accountants, lawyers, and Change kicks in, as change kicks in. This is the, about the CO2 in Australia. I'll put that link up as well. So bankers, accountants, lawyers, as always, uh, benefit from the cons that they pull off. Have you noticed that most of the politicians are lawyers now? Yeah. It tells you about who they really are. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it really, it really does. 
when you do an in-depth uh, study of what law actually is in itself. And as we're doing this, as I say, uh, we're, we're plunging to the bottom. As we're as designed, we're on the roll down to the bottom. And we have an article like this, the chairman of the U.S. Federal Reserve, uh, Ben Bernanke. It's amazing how it rhymes like with bank, is it? Ben Bernanke at the banky. I mean, it's quite, I mean, it's just amazing, but they give us these strange little deals all the time. Ben Bernanke arrives to testify before the U.S. House Financial Services Committee on July 13th on Capitol Hill, Washington. And it says, uh, he emphasized during a Wednesday testimony before the U.S. House of Representatives Financial Services Committee that if the debt ceiling is not raised, the government would choose to stop extending benefits such as Social Security payments to U.S. citizens to pay its creditors instead. Now, this straightforward blackmail, uh, a threat by a banker, you know, a banker, basically. And, uh, I mean, you can't get any more straightforward than that because they know if they don't pay up the Social Security, and one day they won't at the right time when they want this to happen. And there'll be riots, immediate riots in the street. They want it to happen down the road, but it's just not time just now. They'll get their, their deal, they'll get their extra cash, as again, the U.S. that, the, the U.S. that, that, that not so long ago uh, was completely self-sufficient in manufacturing and lost it all through the World Trade Organization's treaty as they handed all their, their factories over to China. Uh, it's, it's now really uh, boring cap in hand to these same little gnomes and, uh, and, and getting further into debt. And the banker always rules. Remember that uh, if, if, you're, if you're borrowing, then the, the, one, the lender always rules you. And it's been that for a while in the U.S. And straightforward blackmail, though. Straightforward blackmail. It's like saying, I'll put away these matches uh, uh, if you give us what I want, what, what we want. That's really what he's telling you. Incredible. But as I say, um, we've got more taxes to go yet. They haven't finished hammering the nails in. You've got the carbon tax to come, the value-added tax to come, because the whole world under this socialist system must be a value-added tax, no matter what they call it. It's GST, they call it in, in Canada, uh, but it's listed in Wikipedia even as a value-added tax. Because, again, that's what the Royal Institute of International Affairs outlined for all the countries, and they started it with Britain years ago. And as I say, uh, the United Nations is hammering and hammering for a big chunk of this pie uh, on this fake carbon. It's amazing. It's, it's all balloons in the sky, isn't it? Because we know that little periods of warming are, are followed years later, even when it starts cooling. That's when the CO2 starts showing up in the atmosphere, because it all came out of the sea, you see. And that was always taught up until, well, Rothschild basically came up with the idea of CO2 being a dangerous gas. And you think I'm kidding, eh? Here's an article here. It says, How Edmund de Rothschild managed to let 179 governments pay him for grasping up 30% of the earth. And it says, After Edmund de Rothschild's statement without basis at the Fourth World Wilderness Congress in 1987 that CO2 is the cause of a non-existent global warming and that combating it needs money, which is, of course, all of your money, he founded the World Conservation Bank for this reason. In 1991, its name was changed to the Global Environment Facility. It's called GEF, Very Important Organization for the Whole Planet. The purpose of this facility is to lend money to the poorest countries, printed by the International Monetary Fund out of thin air, and with the guarantee of our governments. In other words, we as a citizenry are all put down as a guarantors. We have to back it all and pay it off. This is already a done deal. It was done back then. 
The facility takes wilderness areas with mineral riches as security. The, G- the GEF money is then to flow back to our governments as reimbursement for paid loans. That is, we give away our tax money, and for what? When a country cannot repay loans to the GEF, it must give up a piece of its territory to the Rothschild banks, the GEF, IMF, and World Bank. Up to 30% of the earth are, are, are meant about this. If land cannot be offered as collateral, the country must starve. And that's what happened with Haiti, remember, Argentina, and others. Rothschild's stroke of genius was that he had his GEF smuggled into the United Nations system at the Rio United Nations Summit in 1992 by his friend Maurice Strong of Canada, who's actually a a puppet of uh, Rockefeller. So now high-ranking ministerial officials from 179 countries are in the Council of the Bank, blessing Rothschild grabbing the world. This article brings interviews with a man who was a participant in the Fourth World Wilderness Congress And I remember hearing that at the time. I think he'd he'd taped it, in fact. And I'll put this link up as well. You must read it. You must see what the CO2 nonsense is all about. It was started up by the private bankers, and especially Rothschild. And uh, it worked with the United Nations because everything is to go through the United Nations after it's been through the Rothschild private bank, as I've said before. Now, when you've got 100% of the carbon taxes going through the Rothschild private bank in Switzerland... That's an awful lot of, ca- of interest that gathers even overnight. It's quite something. But I'll put this link up. And also, and it's amazing when you read the other articles too, like Wikipedia, they, they don't even mention who started it up. They just got organizations. This is how things are done, isn't it? And um, the GEF, the same organization, is also the ones behind creating your eco-villages and rural areas and so on. And... Uh, your, your communitarian projects in Britain and elsewhere and getting folk off the rural areas in Canada and other countries too. It's the, the same organization. You understand that eventually all business will go through the United Nations, all world business and private business. All food resources will go through the United Nations and they will redistribute it to the, the world in chunks and it's to be used for keeping your population down because it's to be a quota system and you must uh, find ways to fulfill your quota or, or reduce your quota because you will be on rationing, believe you me. And they'll say, well, too many people, that's your problem, even if these same characters were behind the mass immigration you see flooding in right now, which they are. <laughs> you can't win with these guys, you see. It's a plan. You understand there's a war on the world. Most folk don't know that. They think there's a little group here, a little group there. No, there's quite a big group here. And uh, with its own particular agenda, it's uh, it's like a religion, you might say, a, a very real religion, and it's at war with the world. And socialism and all the isms that come out and fight each other that we all have to fund are all part of it because you can't get change without conflict. And you guide the outcome of the conflict into the United Nations with more powers and so on and so on. So I'll put up the, the, these, these different links on it. And you can look them up for yourself. And uh, as I say, I'll put up even the Wikilink uh, Global Environment Facility. Uh, it doesn't mention Rothschild at all. He came up with a CO2 con, or when he mentioned it, 1987. But uh, believe me, when Rothschild speaks, you better pay attention because they mean what they say. And I read the article from the mainstream when he came out. 
and declared that uh, he had backed Al Gore and he said that, uh, that the carbon taxes will go through his private bank in Switzerland. So, it says that this article here says that the GF has allocated $9.2 billion, supplemented by more than $40 billion in co-financing from, uh, from more than 2,700 projects in more than 165 developing countries and countries with e- economies in transition. I like how they, they, they mean that as we fund them up, uh, we go down. <laughs> Uh, it says, through its small grants program, the GF has also made more than 12,000 small grants directly to non-governmental and community organizations, totaling $495 million. That's for their front army of non-governmental organization, Greenies. That's what that means. Back with more after this break. We're back, cutting through the matrix. It's just a mad, mad world from the outside, isn't it? It isn't until you get inside to it, inside it, that you realize there's a method behind the madness. And that's what you do have, an incredible method, an incredible system of, as I call it, chronology. Most things out there are chronology, even to do with debt, uh, to do with paying off debt, still chronology. Uh, you have to go into it and find out that it was during Nixon's term that they finally took the last of the gold standard off the monetary system and things skyrocketed from then. And then when Congress borrows every year and, and the British Parliament borrows every year and everybody borrows every year, uh, and nobody asks what, why are they borrowing in the first place? If you're a country with so many taxpayers and you've had so many taxes on you, most of them are hidden, you know, you don't even know they're there. You know, there's purchases, there's umpteen different purchase taxes and everything you buy, even the candy bars. And they can't manage, so they have to go outside and borrow from private banks, supposedly. This is this is a rubbish, we're told. And then when they fail to, to to meet their budget or balance their budget and so on, what they're talking about is paying off just the interest on the debt. The debt is not meant to be paid off. The, the, the idea is to make sure that the lenders are always in control of your country. All you have to do is make your, your, your payments, your minimum payments, basically, on the debt. But now they've got them into trillions of dollars. Trillions of bucks. As he spread democracy across the world, <laughs> the same system, you see, across the world, and get every other little country under, we're here to help you, into utter slavery. This is, this is the beauty of this system. It's so deceptive. But study it a little bit and you'll find it out for yourself. That's what it all is. It's all done under, we want to help people. Always. Now the U.S. is going into Cyber space now, uh, this is under the whole um, uh, space weaponry stuff. It's now into cyberspace, and of course they've had all these other treaties at the United Nations, which it's no one's intended to ever agree to in the first place, because even before they brought the treaties up, they'd already basically weaponized space. But anyway, it says Deputy Defense Secretary William Lynn unveiled a new U.S. strategy Thursday for protecting military computer networks and moving away from a passive defense towards treating cyberspace as an operational domain in which trained forces defend against attacks. In a speech at the National Defense University at Fort McNair, he said the Pentagon wanted to avoid militarizing cyberspace, but at the same time secure strategic networks both by threat of retaliation and by mounting an effective defense. 
Our ability to identify and respond to a serious cyber attack is only part of the strategy. I, I love when you talk about cyber attacks because technically it, it involves also verbal attacks or written attacks. In other words, you, what your freedom of speech. <laughs> freedom of speech is what I'm trying to say because that, that's all part of it too. It's, it's all taken as an attack. And more and more we're going into the arena where uh, if you're politically correct, you can say an awful lot. And if you, and you can really put out the hate. Those who are politically correct really do the hating. They're the ones who really do the hating. But if you have any opposing point of view on anything and you're not PC, then you'll be simply wiped off the map, at least on your computer. And that's the world we're going into fast now. Everything's moving in so many areas now uh, so fast you can't keep up with it because there's too many departments to keep up with. Working full time, 24 hours per day, you can't do that, can you? So anyway, they talk about the weaponizing of space and so on. And at the same time, I've got declassified uh, uh, articles on uh, the, the U.S. Air Force unmanned aircraft systems flight plan and uh, for the up the year 2047 with their strategies and all their lovely expensive goodies that a bankrupt country is going to have to keep uh, paying for it in the future. Probably buy them from China by then, mind you. And... Uh, it's quite an interesting little document with all the lovely drawings of the new types of drones that they want to bring out in the future and fast deployment drones and all the rest of it and even backpack drones for the for the troops. I can still remember when there were backpack drones for battlefield nukes going on. That was a big thing years ago. Now it's drones. But again, it's, it's, a, it's a child in the candy shop and the bankers love the military because the military is always buying I mean, you look into the military-industrial complex, for instance, you'll find it's the same big banks who own the corporations of these, the supply all these things to the military. Quite fascinating, that, isn't it? They have the controlling shares and all the big ones, like General Electric and all the rest of them. It's the banks who own them, the big ones, you know, the big ones that you bail out and suddenly recover. The ones that had $36,000 plates with Obama at the dinner uh, last week or so, those guys, you know. The guys who are getting really tough. So I'll put that link up as well. And you can see how wonderfully equal things are as we push equality across the world. Here's an article here. How globalism has destroyed the jobs, businesses, and and national wealth in 10 easy steps. As most Americans stand around waiting for the U.S. economy to return to normal, which will never happen, and Bernanke said that himself. He says there's a never-ending parade of jobs businesses and wealth heading out of the United States. The jobs and businesses that are leaving are gone for good and will not be coming back. This is causing unemployment to soar and government debt to skyrocket, but the politicians are doing nothing about it. Instead, politicians from both parties keep insisting that they will solve all of our problems if we just give them our votes. It's all a con now, because you're living through the last stage of this system. Meanwhile, American families continue to fill up their shopping carts with cheap plastic crap, made on the other side of the world. And it is true. I mean, you go to any garbage dump, even in the country, you can get a good look at some of these garbage dumps, and you see all, all these these awful garish colors of, of the toys for children that lasted a day, stuff like that. You know, even Walmart, uh, when they get bad shipments in, they don't ship it back for fixing. They dump the whole lot, tractor trailers of this junk in the dump brand new. Back with more after this break. You're listening.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix and talking about really how they're bringing the whole economy down. But this is all by intention. They knew that long before. Your top politicians all knew this long before they even signed the free trade agreements and the, the NAFTA agreements and the World Trade Organization under the United Nations to basically enable all factories to move off to China and to get paid to move by the taxpayer. They would take up the burden and it would cost the, the ones who were moving nothing. And many of them even had their factories built by the U.S. taxpayers, the Canadian and the British and other ones, as they moved off to China. That was part of the World Trade Organization agreement. Plus, you paid for any losses they claim they incurred if they'd stayed in the States in those 10 years for a period of 10 years. And if they still uh, had incurred losses or claimed to incur losses whether in China, they can claim for another 10 years. There's a deal that you can't uh, let go of, is there? That's what that is really. And that was a deal. That was to guarantee there'd be nothing left in our countries that really lived on manufacture. Manufacturing was all that you had. Everything else was, was a spin-off or supporting manufacturing. And that, what, what it left you with was a service economy, where the same stores are there, but only this time you're not passing machine parts around and, and, all, and all that kind of stuff. You have no machinists to work anything. And make, no, no, you just make uh, you, you just import stuff from China and goes, goes through three or four middlemen, and then it's sold at the bottom. That's what a service economy is. It can only, it's like putting a dog in a swimming pool. It can swim for a while and eventually it can't get out and it just sinks. That's what, it, and even Britain admitted that years ago when they talked about it becoming a service economy before the rest. So there's not a single politician out there that doesn't know what it's all about and what their part in it was. Nobody can claim innocence and they all knew this. They were all part of it because this is the agenda. That's the agenda, you see. And, and as I say, all you have to do really is follow the Communist Manifesto and tell me how many, how many planks in that manifesto have been accomplished. And then I'll leave that little question mark ab- above your heads for those who still live in idiocracy. Ponder the question for a while. Hmm? Also see what the commonalities are. It's like a detective story. Names, everything. Just put the commonalities together. What do they have in common, these top players? You have to do that because that's how you do detective work. There's an article here too, Let our, uh, let's arm the Mexican drug cartels with thousands of guns and continue to leave the border completely wide open. How in the world are Americans living in the southwest United States supposed to sleep peacefully at night when the U.S. government has given thousands of guns to Mexican drug cartels and continues to leave the border completely wide open? The brutality and viciousness of Mexican drug cartels is almost beyond description, and yet the U.S. government has armed them to the teeth and does next to nothing to stop their incursions into U.S. territory. Project Gunrunner was supposed to be a U.S. government initiative to fight the flow of guns into Mexico. Remember I told you you have to reverse everything 180 degrees? Instead, it has now come out in the mainstream that the ATF agents were ordered to facilitate the acquisition of thousands of U.S. guns by Mexican drug cartels and then halt surveillance on where those guns were going. One of these operations was known as Fast and Furious, and the revelations... Um, 
that are now coming out have Congress in an uproar. Really, I don't think, I think they go in an uproar if they cut their meal ticket, you know, their meal money every day, but I don't see them going in an uproar about anything else. It's even poor acting, actually, what you do see. If the full truth about what has been going on is revealed to the American people, it's going to turn Washington, D.C. upside down. And this one goes on and on, and uh, you can read it for yourself as well. There's so much now that you, you just have to, if, if you haven't got it already, you never will. If you still think things are happening by the day and people are still just screwing up across the planet, just bureaucratic blunders and things like that, well, I'm sorry, I have no confidence in you, I have no time to waste on you, because, you see, we've left you all behind light years ago. It's all in your face today. Jack Zatali, a top guy at the United Nations, who did his uh, basic apprenticeship in, in France, uh, he was the real prime minister of France uh, as, as a number one advisor to about three different presidents. When everybody came to France, they asked to see Jacques Zatali, not to see the president. But he's now at the United Nations. But he wrote two books, and one of them was uh, about the flooding America with massive immigration. He says, this will happen. And uh, this was winners and losers in the coming New World Order in the book called Millennium. And he said eventually most people in the United States will end up speaking Spanish. That's the way it's forecast to be. And when they say that, uh, they mean it. It's to be. It's a must be. That's what he's telling you. And he wrote another one, too, called A Brief History of the Future. And he, he continued with that same theme. And, but he also went to the rest of the world as well. And, of course, we, we know it's all... It didn't take a great mind to figure it all out because Europe's already flooded with immigration and that also was the agenda was to destroy, permanently destroy all existing cultures. And remember I read the article on the air from mainstream Britain where uh, Tony Blair, the Prime Minister of Britain at the time, his right-hand man who would have taken over from him in fact, came out and said that Blair had ordered them to up the quotas of immigration, open the floodgates, from the most diverse countries of culture to ensure that the British culture was utterly wiped off the map forever and could never be brought back again. Another Fabian socialist. you got to understand what Fabian socialism is. It was the same technique as, as the Marxists. They were very friendly with Marxists. And even H.G. Wells, one of the founders of it, and Bernard Shaw uh, said that they had papers right from the Kremlin the only difference they had, and, and Trotsky and others had with them, where Trotsky was for immediate physical revolution, uh, they were to do it the slow way, the Fabian way, and to do it through infiltrating, taking over the system from within, and working with the big banking boys who wanted the same agenda. So it's, it's all out there if you care to, to look for it, and it's not through conspiracy sites either. So I'll put these links up tonight, remember, at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, another one I want to put up too is called The Dirty Little War in Argentina. Declassified uh, information, um, which is genuine, uh, on Kissinger and his involvement in all the struggles in Latin America and all of the slaughters and massacres in Latin America that he was heavily, heavily involved in. Uh, and some of the quips in it are quite something. It show you the psychopath's mind when he talked about when they had to wipe out lots of people quickly, like villagers and so on, and he'd advise them, if you can finish before Congress gets back, the better. Little quips like that. That's typical Kissinger. 
So it's well worth reading. I'll put that link up as well for you to have a... These guys are still in power. I hope you understand that. Forget the little front men, the little clowns that they put there for you to go for. Uh, Number one is never the boss. Never the boss. Never has been the boss. It's the guy behind them is the boss. It's always that way. And... But see, there's so much going on, it's, it's difficult for the average person to even uh, keep up with what's going on. Most of them are so mind-bombed with the trivial stuff they put across that they, you can't look at the trivia anymore. Even the stuff that's real, the stuff that's real is affecting people. Little, the, what I'm talking about is the fallout from this so-called New World Order and all of its laws getting rammed down our throats. Because you're seeing the bottom, lowest, first casualties openly come out now, where they can't allow you to have a garden and stuff like that. They said in SWAT teams, but that's one little thing. They're taking over entire. They're changing everything right now. So don't get stuck on something. If you're in a battle and you're helping to to um, organize that battle and run it, you can't stop to look at the little side uh, casualties. You'll lose sight of what's really coming your way. People get stuck on things and they get awfully emotionally involved and angry about things. But yeah, and they're right to be angry. But you've got to understand something bigger above this has to be um, disposed of. The system that's causing it. If a system is not working and it has never worked for the people, why would you retain the exact same system? Why would you vote in the next person who's who's standing up for the status quo of the same system, keeping the same system? Why on earth would you do it? As these big boys at the top talk about restructuring, 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 it's maybe time the people has talked about restructuring. Huh? On their terms. And as I say, you don't pay off a neighbor's uh, debt or their rent if you can't afford your own rent. And here you are getting told, all oh, through binding treaties with the United Nations, you've got trillions and trillions to pay, pay to them now. Really? You, you know what you do with agreements? You tear them up and you toss them out because you can't afford your rent. That's what you do. Because you know what's going to happen. If you do start paying them, you're on the street without a home. You won't have a country or anything. But then that is the agenda. No more countries. The eradication of the nation-state, Lenin said. It'll just fade away. And so will the generation that go down with it. They'll just fade away, probably through starvation. But that's the world we're in today. And um, here's an article here I should really put up first too. It says, the UN Conference on Sustainable Development has a number of objectives and themes you can find out more about these themes and how they are being addressed by the Earth Summit. This is for Earth Summit 2012. This is the biggie that's coming up. The 1992 one, when more is strong at the head, uh, what there really is the one that affected all your lives already, started all the greenies off, your garbage inspections, all that kind of stuff, and your, your, your funding theory of carbon, etc., on behalf of his, his master and pal Rothschild. Uh, but 2012 is the big one. That's when they want the collection cash on all the agreements you've signed. So I'll give you a link to their own website and, and they show you all the things that they're 
demanding at this meeting coming up. And one of them is securing political commitment. That means your governments must promise, never mind your nations or the people, you must promise to, to fulfill your commitments to the United Nations and all the departments on greening. And then assessing progress, new and emerging challenges, the green economy, it must be a green, because Edmund de Rothschild said so, institutional framework for sustainable development, and, and you would understand what they mean by all of these terms that you'll parrot off without ever, ever knowing what it really, really, really means or pertains to. And um, this article here too is, says, with the Western nations continuing their downward economic spiral, the advocates of the United Nations redistributionist schemes also continue to exploit the environmental agenda in their effort to fundamentally alter the global economy to serve their own ends. Despite the failure of the Copenhagen Climate Change Conference in December 2009 to achieve its goal of a treaty binding the industrial world to an economic suicide pact, the voluntary agreements are still a threat to the West. The UN is engaged in an effort to use the imagined environmental crisis as a justification for a program of sweeping economic redistribution of wealth, of course, that would shift trillions of dollars from the industrial nations to the third world. The UN is now demanding an investment of $1.9 trillion per year in green technology to meet the goals that the internationalists have set for the, United, for the nations of the world. An AFP story entitled, World Needs $1.9 Trillion a Year for Green Technology by the UN, sets forth the lament of an elite for whom real money is measured in tens of trillions of dollars. Over the next 40 years, $1.9 trillion uh, which is 1.31 trillion euros per year will be needed for incremental investments in green technologies, the UN Economic and Social Affairs Body said in its annual survey. At least one half of 1.1 trillion per year of the required investments will need to be made in developing countries to meet the rapidly increasing food and energy demands through the application of green technologies ads. At the moment, external financing currently available for green technology investments in developing countries is far from sufficient to meet the challenge it assists. Over the last two years, climate change funds managed by the World Bank, it's a private bunch that call themselves the World Bank, dispersed about $20 billion, that's off your cash, a fraction of the sum necessary for developing countries to build up clean energy technologies, sustainable farming techniques and technologies that help cut non-biodegradable waste production. The only non-biodegradable waste production comes from the mouths of all these control freaks. That's where it comes from. And their head, I think, just manufactures it. All the, all the terms and ideas they come up with, which are all cons. Even though states agreed during the 2009 Copenhagen summit to spend $30 billion over 2010 to 2012 and $100 billion a year by 2020 in transfers to developing countries, these sums have not been realized. In other words, the costly feel-good language adopted Copenhagen, though far from the crushing obligations the treaty would have imposed, still means the World Bank and the United Nations were playing the role of an international collection agency, metaphorically beating on the doors of various heads of state until they cough up the demanded funds. And that's what the 2012 Air Summit is demanding, that they go by treaty, they sign it all. I promise to pay you all my slaves' cash for the future from here to infinity, basically. That's what your leaders are going to do. And it's not going to go to the third world. It's going to go to big international corporations 
they'll end up owning and already do own the world, the, the, the food supply of the third world. They also, they'll, they'll own yours as well. Quite something, eh? What a world we live in. Now, um, this caller is on the line. There's Rory from D.C. hanging on. He's dropped. Okay. Has Ken from New York uh, still there? Yeah, how you doing, Mr. Watt? I'm um, hanging on here. I actually work here. at an indoctrination center, otherwise known as a university. And what I find troubling is I was born in the mid-70s, but I realize that um, the students that work with me now, and they say anyone born after 1990, they are totally programmed differently from, obviously, what was taught two decades ago. And what's so scary about it is, like, I was having a conversation with someone today in regards, like, you know, the whole Bernanke and Paul with the whole gold stuff. And they, they, they have the mindset where the Constitution is obsolete. Yep. Um, they don't mind being global citizens. They don't mind, um, you know, being part of this collective. It's crazy, but it's, it's amazing how the, end of the, the educational system is working wonders where the masses, for the most part, and it's been the elite, the rich kids that go to these institutions where they don't care because they see themselves as being, as like being benefited in the new system. Yeah, yeah. That they have been totally trained, absolutely trained from birth. Social, scientific indoctrination was what Bertrand Russell said they would do to them until they couldn't even relate to any previous generation. Yep. Yeah, and what's so scary about it is you realize, like, with all like, you know, the whole old things, is like someone like me that's not even 40 years old yet, you realize that, okay, if they were so successful, like, you know, programming people just less than 20 years younger than me, that, well, this is, there's no hope, really, if you can't basically, like, if the ones, those of us that are still sentient and see what's wrong with it, it's up to us to find those few that are willing to listen to us to make them realize, like, hey, wake up. You're like, we're headed for a disaster, you know? Yes, I know. Uh, hold on, we'll come back after this break. It's a good topic. Hi, folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. And is Ken still there? From New York. I'm still here. I'm still here. Another yeah. thing that's bothering, another environment to water is like this whole concept of like, there's no societal mores anymore. Like to me, it seems like living in New York City, you see like there's a freak show out here. It's like people that were once 40, 40 years ago deemed like mentally ill, seems like they have more rights than me. You know what I'm saying? That's another story. It's just, it's very frustrating to realize that this stuff is being done right in front of us. People are too concerned about their little, their little privileges or their little, like, you know, just little stuff to keep you busy. There's the LED TVs, the video games, the movies. Like, you'll be, you'll be lining up later on tonight to go see Harry Potter. And like, we got, uh, it's very serious what's going on, but it's frustrating. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing how you can program each generation differently. Yes. And that's, that's why I don't think people really understand. It's a perfect science. And it goes way back as a barrier who was the NKVD uh, head of the Soviet system back in 1934, at their world meeting of the Comintern, it said it used to take 70 years to change a generation's uh, opinion or morality in any even visible manner that would be seen at all. It says now we have it so perfected that with Pavlovian indoctrination, we can change each uh, generation every four years. In other words, the intake in kindergarten will be four years removed mentally, basically, and with their ideas and the ones before it so fast. 
And that's how they're using the same system here. If you go into kindergarten now, uh, they're, they're being programmed for the changes they'll see in their lifetime. Uh, and uh, they'll accept it all because they've been programmed already for it. And uh, the ones that will come in two years after them will be programmed ahead a little bit more. Uh, and so that's the technique he was talking about, and that's what uh, Bertrand Russell said too. Russell says, we don't need, he says, we used to think, this is a British lord talking, right, uh, who belonged to the Macy group as well. He said, we used to think we have to, we'd have to take the children from the parents at birth to indoctrinate one generation and either be contaminated with the parents' thoughts. He says, now, he says, we, we found with intense scientific indoctrination, just four or five hours per day in school will be enough to totally negate any parental input. They'll ignore their parents completely. And that was back in the, the 50s, he said that. So uh, this technique has been around for a while. It's perfected now. And as you say, uh, the youngsters have never had it really hard They've come out of college, school, university. Things are still fairly cheap that they're into. All their electronic toys and entertainment is still cheap. They've never really had to rough it and tough it in any way at all. They can't see what's coming down, and they have no clue that they're going to be affected themselves as we throw, throw your cash and all your tax money off into this great black hole they call the third world. Um, they have no idea that's going to affect them too. They, they, they're told it's going to be a wonderful world. It's going to be a beautiful, wonderful world, and and they don't think they're going down with it. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Watts. It's been a pleasure um, speaking to you. I listen to you a lot. I got to try to contribute, but um, yeah, I just want to let you know what I've sort of seen, what I, what I have seen firsthand. And thanks for calling. Well, you have a good evening. You too. Uh, and just to finish, I'd like to put up a link too to the Royal Society. It's quite funny. Because they're all society are back into phrenology, where they're going to determine who are the bad guys by measuring their facial structure and uh, the, how wide their face is and so on. And uh, I, went, I went into their own site, their all society, and all the links to it, they'd already pooled because of complaints, but I found it on another site. So I'll put that up as well, and you have a little chuckle at that. Yeah, the guys who lead global warming debates, they're all society that all the top scientists belong to are back into studying our facial features again to see if we're, you know, defective. From Hamish myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>